This podcast is brought to you by the Deluxe Edition Network. To find more great shows on our network, head over to the den.show. Hold on, stop. Welcome back to the shit show 2.0. Okay, boomer. Damn millennials. Wow. <laughs> Did not know that. Even flirters who who are obviously mentally ill. You want to be my wife? Oh, this is gonna go downhill real quick. <laughs> What is going on? And welcome to Take On The World. Jay and <laughs> That's my name. So for the rest of the episode, I got to... Yeah. Hey, Jay. Hey, what do you think? <laughs> and Mike D. Uh, <coughs> here once again. Um, we... Last week, we talked about the Shambar Tavern. And by the way, I wear the same clothes every week. Shambar and Shambar. With the same stains on them, yeah. dude. You see how you see how stained my fucking work shirt is. It's oh, yeah. got, got I wanted to ask you about what the fuck that was. I, I left the pen in my pocket. I went through the wash, <laughs> and it blew up. Like, what am I gonna do? I'm, I'm not buying a new uniform because they're buying us uniforms now. You know, that's what I always say. Why don't we go with the dark, like the darker gray shirts? I love. Yeah. And everybody, dark shirt in the summertime. It's too hot. Like none of you fuckers are outside in the summertime. The only guys that don't mind are the people who are well the t-shirts we're getting are slightly darker than the ones we have now good which is a little bit better and it still won't attract all the heat so yeah i mean when you're outside and it's 98 degrees you really think you can tell the difference between a white shirt and a black shirt yes you can and i'm gonna tell you why i sweat so fucking much when i come back inside there's fucking salt stains on my fucking shirt oh oh yeah i know what you're talking about especially around my pits yeah yeah because I, I have them like, like I sweat well, so that means you're properly hydrated. Well, I, I, I stay hydrated. Like in Saipan, I think that's all I wore was black. I stay hydrated. <laughs> uh, by the way, we're, we're drinking this, uh, this, Bel- this Belgian Abbey Ale. Lafay? It's a blonde. Um, we, uh, this is courtesy of Bubba. Thank you, Eric. Uh, my nephew was up to New York <coughs> to watch the Islanders Hurricanes last the last game of the season, and when he was coming back through, they stopped. They came through Harrisburg, so they I met him in Hershey. We went down to uh, Trogues, and uh, Eric and his friend Josh. Uh, we sat down. We had a meal. We had some beer, but they had this, and they didn't particularly like it. Uh, all I'm gonna say is, Eric, you're fucking wrong. This is good. But, well, you know what they say, right? To each their own. If it ain't cold beer or warm pussy, it'll probably kill us. Tam Ford. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, he gave me the rest of the case, and I'm grateful for it because yeah, I like thank it. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Bubba. Uh, have I met Bubba? It, uh, I don't think you have. Uh, I've met a Bubba once or two times. Not sure which Bubba I met. But he, he was a Southern boy. His mother's a Southern, Southern lady. Yeah. Uh, his dad lived down south. He was uh, Camp Lejeune. Um, and uh, when he was born, they just started calling him Bubba, and it stuck with every. Well, I don't know how many of his friends call him Bubba now. I call him Bubba. Like he's always he'll always be Bubba to me. Uh, I don't think I've met this Eric Feller you're talking about. Eric's my boy. I love that kid. 
Uh, I love his wife. Uh, his wife. Uh, we were down for their wedding. We went down our, uh, was it about six, seven months ago? When we down North Carolina? Oh, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's awesome. I'm hoping. Oh, no, yeah, you're right. Because I asked if it was the guy that was up here for you boys' uh, graduation party. So I, it was. No. So <clears throat> he works for a company. I'm not sure what they do. I'm not sure what he does. Uh, he does customer service of some sort. Like a, he's a problem fixer. Uh, but I guess he might be up here because he there's a, a company in the area that they're dealing with. So if he comes up, I'm telling you right now, Bubba, you bring your wife, your wife stays here. She's part of our family. And uh, I, wa- I want to make some more empanadas with her. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the food, bro. Anyway, uh, so we did Shambles Tavern, which was right over the, the hill here, um, four miles away from us. We are covering something a little different today just a tiny bit it's probably about as far away from here in the united states that you can get and as fucked up as you can get and i've been to this city i have not i'm jealous i don't know if i'll ever get out there but i hope i will someday i i tell you what dude there's not much there but it's beautiful well you know i mean it's like just going to the mountains and it's just there's something about the lore of the mountains that <clears throat> it's it's like leaves you awestruck. Yeah, and I'll tell you when I flew, what just flying over the state, I must have taken seventy pictures from the window of the plane because you know I take pictures like a Chinese tourist. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> I lay across the hood of a car and everything. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, left now, else good luck. <laughs> Anywho, I think uh, to Alaska has is home of the tallest mountain in the United States. Is it? Yes. And I believe it is. Oh my God! I think it's twenty. Oh no! You might have to look this up. It's in between fourteen and twenty, but like all the other states, their biggest ones are fourteeners. Like when you go to Colorado, they're like you got to hike a fourteener. You got to hike a fourteener. That's the tallest their mountains are. Four, I think Pikes Peak is the tallest one. It's like 14, 7, 8, something like that. Yeah, we were at 12,000. <clears throat> but I think Alaska, their tallest mountain, which mount might be Mount McKinley, I think. I think it's 21,000 feet. Jesus. That's twice what we were, dude. Don't quote me on that. <clears throat> but I, but if you look at uh, like Mount Everest, base camp of Mount Everest is 22,000 feet. Then you're going up to, I think it's 38,000 feet or 34. So, like most people. That's almost three times what we were. Yeah. Like, could you imagine seeing that? Dude, I know that that when we were in the Rockies, just getting off the, at the airport, the air was thin. Yeah. And we were we were sweating and huffing and puffing walking yeah. through the airport. Yep. Now, that was our first day there. But when we got up in the mountains, when we got to the top of that, that one where we went up, I, I was fucking there pretty good. Uh, I know <laughs> stories of people that get to base camp in Everest and they get what's called a, a pulmonary edemia. And I, I think it's like a blood clot or something. And I know of a family member that they knew somebody that was his lifelong dream was to go hike Mount Everest. A very healthy, younger guy. He went 
got to base camp, got sick, had this pulmonary edema, got uh, flown to a hospital in Nepal, and died. And then they were arguing with, how are we going to get him back? Like, they're like, well, we need to pay all this money. It was just a whole mess, and, you know, you don't think that, like, Ben Eric could fuck you up like that, but it's almost like... You can't get the oxygen you need, dude. It's almost like... The funny thing was... As hard as, like, diving. Like, you know how you dive, and you're not... If you don't do it right, you're fucked up. Yeah, you're fucked up. Uh, When we were out there, it was the first time I ever saw in the the grocery stores, in the mini markets, oxygen tanks. (laughs) The canned air. The canned fucking oxygen tanks. And I actually watched on um, uh, Shark Tank a guy present them. And I like, saw that too. They're like, what the fuck? They're like, they, they're like, why? And he goes, well, it, you know, you take that shot and that shot of oxygen and it invigorates you. It, you know. <laughs> See, now, the, the time that I went before you went out, my dad bought a whole bunch of those. He's like, these are fucking bullshit. He's like, give me my Marlboros. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I can't bomb. I wasted all my money on this shit. And I think I may have, might have taken a, 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 but I was in really good shape when I went that time. And I didn't need them. Shape. As in round? Uh, well, yeah, I've always been a bigger guy, but no, I was, this has got to be like six years ago. And, um. I remember when you started the jelly, this little fucking snot nosed kid. Yep. Yep, yep, got Similac behind the ears. <laughs> Simil- I didn't even know what Similac was. I'm like, what the fuck is Similac? What do you keep talking about? You, know, you, I, you, I you guys I... never told me what Similac was. And then when I had a kid, I was like, oh. The first time I bought it, I'm like, I get it. So I did that to you because uh, when I started the jail, I was working with uh, a friend of mine, Kara Squillo. And Kara Squillo used to do that to me all the time. And, and it just meant, look, you're, you're a junior officer. So he reached behind, he goes, what, what is that behind? And he reached behind, he goes, Similac. I'm like, son of a bitch, you got me again. Well, that was even, that made the joke even better, because I had no idea what you were talking about. And you fuckers <laughs> never talk to me, because you know how everything is in a jail. Everything's I talk to you. Well, you would, but you know how, like, everything's like, with our clique, everything's like, you, you don't tell people certain things. You, like, you, you'll find so it the out The inside later. jokes don't, don't get shared outside the, the inside. Well, I was on the inside, but it still didn't get shared. <laughs> well, that's it. Look, dude. Let me Although say, I never did ask. I guess you guys just thought I knew what a Similac meant or was. Uh, you remember the story of uh, when, when Lovebug was here. We were talking about when we were in Boston. Yeah. The guy with his penis hanging out. <laughs> yeah. So that's an inside joke. The dude that we were playing a joke on, we have still never come clean to him. That And that was 15 years ago? Yeah, so... Well, I, I'll tell you this, and uh, I don't think I'll ever tell the dude, because it's just been so long, there's no point now, but this had been, oh my god, I was like, we were 15, so yeah, like 25 years ago, 20, 25 years ago, um, we always suspected this dude that we hung out with of like, well, we would smoke weed, and he'd be like, like super, we're like, dude, how are you happy, like, you know. Or we drink a couple beers, and he'd be like, oh, I'm so wasted. <laughs> I'm like, what's wrong with you? Like, like I have, like, a barely a buzz. Yeah, just stupid kids being kids, whatever. And so one time we're like, let's get this motherfucker. So we took, uh, 
my buddy's dad had a bunch of O'Doul's in the fridge. And we took like four of them. We poured them into a big gulp cup. And we pretended like we were drinking all morning. Well, yeah, come on over, man. You got a bunch of beer. <laughs> and he came over and we gave him like, you. He like chugged. He literally like chugged the whole fucking thing. And I remember we were walking out on the tra- uh, the train tracks, and he's like, "I'm so wasted, bro." And he's like tripping, and he fell down at one point, and he's like, "I can't see straight." And we were like, looking at him, were like this motherfucker. I knew it. I fucking knew it." He's probably one of them guys who go like this. <laughs> yeah. I dumped his beer out so you couldn't see that he wasn't drinking it. And, uh, so, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Does your, I think he was full of shit, obviously, but does your brain, is there some little part, I'm sure there is, that your brain says, you don't know that it's not alcohol. Oh, I'm sure it's a placebo effect. Yeah. I'm sure there is. But he literally was, like, falling down. And we're like, mm-hmm. There's a placebo effect, but I think he was playing it off. Yeah. I call douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were just kids, so. I still call douchebag. I don't know him, so I can say whatever I want. <clears throat> sure. He is not a douchebag, so I'll just say that. But, uh, just one of those funny things. And we still we never told him to this day. And the other guy that was with me, I haven't seen him for over 20 years. And we we left high school. I think he left a couple years before 12th grade, and he fucking disappeared. Last I heard, he's like, yeah, I'm going to join the Army and learn how to kill people with toothpicks. He wanted to be like a Green Beret or some shit. Never know what happened to him. I don't know what he did. <laughs> don't ever have that dream ever came true or... I don't know. Yeah. Good luck to him. Yeah. Well, I remember being in his, in his, uh, he had an, an attic, um, bedroom in an older house. And, uh, I was moving to Colorado at the time because I turned 18 and I'm like, I'm out of here. I'm like, as soon as I graduate, I'm going to Colorado, going to school out there. I was all set up and I did. <clears throat> and I remember drawing this, like, picture on his on his wall with the markers bumping him to fucking kill me and i drew like this like road you know it's like big here and it like tapers off mountains in the background like this kid going like this like <laughs> like just very like not not a good picture it was like uh like stick figure stick figure yeah <laughs> and uh but that was the last i ever saw that kid yeah anyways don't know where i'm going with that but good memories bro yeah Good memories. So uh, today we are talking about Samantha Koenig. Koenig? Where's the uh, highlighter name there? I can't see it. I would say Koenig. 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 And I Koenig. This is a relatively recent story as opposed to things we've done in the past. This happened uh, February 2012 in Anchorage, Alaska. Uh, and this was the Common Grounds Coffee Shop. So it's it's one of those coffee shops that's like a kiosk in the middle of a parking lot. Yeah, they're so weird. Well, don't you remember the little shack? Don't you remember the old photo booths like that? Yeah. Well, a lot of those photo booths t- got turned into little coffee places. Yeah. Like, there was one down in Exeter like that. Yeah, there's one right in Wernersville. 
And it literally, like you said, it was a like 24 hour, you hang your film in and, or two hour, a two hour photo, you come back, or one hour. Whatever. Right. Were they one or two hours? I saw 24 hours. I've seen five hours. I've seen six hours. I've seen two. I've seen one. <laughs> she won, all right. <laughs> Up close. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah, that's what they were. I was like, you imagine working in that little booth, like, with all them chemicals and, like. Well, a lot of those, those like, the machine. Probably by the time you were old enough to see them, they had a machine. They just put the film in. And the machine did everything automatically. Um, yes. I remember going to Target. And you would do that. You would take your film. And I don't know the exact process. But you would put them in. And like not there shortly after. You would see somebody behind a thing. Like like scan, like putting everything together. And then you would get your stuff back. But it, it was like a half hour. So Samantha. I worked at this this Common Grounds coffee shop. So she worked the night shift, the late shift. Uh, so when the morning shift came uh, to open up, they found that the door was unlocked to this. this. So you're in the middle of a parking lot. This door's unlocked. He, he went in the coffee shop, and he found it in all kinds of disorder. Like, like it hadn't been cleaned up. There was cups left out. There was towels on the counter. And... He he knew the girl who worked there the night before, but and she was kind of known to be responsible. And she, although she hadn't worked there for a long time, she was known to be a responsible worker. Uh, <coughs> and the coffee shop was never in this condition before when he came in. Yeah, what the, I, I want to say wasn't he like ready to fire or something? He was like pissed off. Well, he immediately called the the owner of the place when he found it like that. Uh, especially when he found the, the the register was unlocked, and he immediately called his boss, and he thought that they were robbed. That's right. Yeah, he thought someone had come in after she left and robbed them. Mm-hmm. So uh, Samantha had a boyfriend named Dwayne, and Dwayne was supposed to pick her up after work, uh, except he was late picking her up, about thirty minutes late picking her up. But he got held up at his work. <clears throat> so instead of getting her at eight p.m., he got there at eight thirty. The shop was already closed. When he got to the parking lot, he didn't see Samantha anywhere. The coffee shop was dark. He went over, pressed his face against the window, looked in. No one was there. Uh, and so Dwayne started thinking in his mind, well, him and Samantha had had some kind of dispute via text message earlier that night. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it had gotten pretty ugly. Uh, she kind of accused him of cheating on him. And Dwayne assumed because of that fight, she didn't want to see him and got a ride from somebody else. Uh, so he sent her a text, hey, are you okay? And he heard no response. Um, that's odd because I don't know anybody who does that. Who just doesn't respond when you text them ever. I'm sorry. <laughs> that is fucking gold. That is good. That is good. Should I tell the the, the viewers what? Go ahead. I'm, I'm just gonna, I just got a text message dude, in the picture room. Save that picture and send it to me, and I'll put it up. All right. <laughs> I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't send it to you. Oh, who was it? Uh, Vinny. Okay. 
I'll send it to you anyways. Fuck it. Yeah, send it to me anyways. So, um, he tried to call Samantha, and then he tried to text her, and he tried to call her. Seven minutes go by, and, uh, oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. I got ahead of myself. Whoa, whoa, Mikey, jump ahead. I did. I just, you, you fucked me up with that picture, dude. You're taking my spot, motherfucker. So, Dwayne goes to her dad's house. He goes to where she's living. And he wants to check on her. He gets there. Samantha's father answers the door and said, look, I haven't seen her yet. Uh, so the two of them try to call and text Samantha, and they hear nothing. So a little bit goes by. They finally get a text message from Samantha saying that she's still very upset with Dwayne, and she's going to spend some time with friends for a few days and to think about stuff. She also asked him, hey, could you let my dad know that this is what I'm doing? So this was very uncharacteristic. Her and her dad were very close. He raised her. He was a single father uh, since she was like three years old. So um, it didn't make sense to him that she didn't text him directly, that she went through Dwayne. Uh, so Dwayne and the father stayed up all night trying to get a response from her. And she never responded again. Uh, the next morning, they contacted the police and filed a missing persons report. Uh, the police had contacted the, the Common Grounds coffee shop owner. And she told them that there had been a robbery. And that uh, she was also trying to get a hold of Samantha, but she couldn't. So at this point... Like, you got to think she's a suspect in it. You got to think the cops think that she's involved. Um, the owner also told the police that uh, when they got the security camera footage from the shop, she would give it to the police. Now, if you go online, you can look <clears throat> at this footage. Yeah, it's, it's grainy, but you can... It's, it's grainy, and it doesn't show a whole lot, but you can see in the footage that she's scared. Yeah. Uh, so at this point, it was un un unclear to the police whether she was a victim or she was involved in a robbery. That's what I was I was, I was saying earlier. Is I believe that they, yeah, you know, like you just said, they thought that she was a part of this whole thing. Well, you'd have to. Like, or, it, 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 like at this point, you know nothing else. All you know is there's money missing. She's missing. The shop was left open. She said, "Fuck it," took the money. And right. I mean, have they said how that, old she was yet? Uh, I. I know she was young. She was probably maybe not even 20 yet, maybe early 20s. I Honestly, I don't know. <clears throat> See, you know what? Fuck you. Because I said this to Nathan. Nathan does the same thing. He always, like, you know how I research. Yeah. He asked me in both episodes questions. <laughs> I could not that fucking answer. Right. And I said, dude, you're just like John. But the one thing I didn't look up <laughs> is the one question you fucking ask. And, well, and, that's why I'm here. That's why it's a team effort. It's kind of an obvious question. Like, how old is she? I don't know why I didn't. I, didn't, I don't know why. Well, well, I know she was young. She was definitely under 30. I think she Probably, was like in her early 20s. 20s yeah. yeah. That's what I think. I, I want to look it up now, but I don't want to stop doing what <clears> we're doing. Um, so the police were trying to call all of Samantha's friends to see if they knew anything. None of them heard anything from her. 
The police went to the copy coffee shop. They found no signs of struggle outside or inside. And the panic button that was underneath the counter had never been activated. So there's a panic button. She didn't press it. There's no signs of struggle. But if you watch a video, she complied with everything this dude told her to do. Yeah. So at this point, they said she's a suspect. And you know what? That's so weird that they would have a panic button in a little coffee kiosk in the middle of this place. Well, I, I've been to Anchorage. Uh, I went. I went to. Um, well, that just tells me there's a lot. I mean, you're in the middle of nowhere. There's a lot of shady shit that'll probably happen. So you think it's paradise, but you know, it's a very small but spread out town. Yeah, the, I mean that's where people go to start over again. Well, I will tell you this: when we were there. Uh, I went up for a mission trip. We went to Galena, Alaska. Um, but it was 150 miles from Anchorage, but the only way to get to Galena was to fly in from Anchorage. Uh, we were told that um, sex, of crimes, sex crimes against children in Alaska are the highest of any place else in the United States. So there's a lot of shady shit that goes on up there. Um, I would think there's a lot of people who end up missing up there that, because I'm sure there's not cameras everywhere like there is here. No, absolutely not. And there's not little local police force. I believe. Well, in Galena, there was one cop, and he was there for two weeks, and then he left for two weeks because while I was up there, he talked to me. He said, "He goes, hey, what did you, did you ever? Because he, he knew we, he knew I worked in the jail. We, we talked, and he said, uh, would you ever think about?" becoming a police officer, he goes, I could use a, a, a I've second... I've got an extra bullet you can put in your revolver! I have I have an opportunity for a second person up here, so you would be here two weeks in an anchorage for two weeks. But you would be on duty 24 hours a day for two weeks, then you'd fly out, and I would be on duty for 24 hours for two weeks. And I'm like, dude, I have no wish to be in negative 48 <laughs> degrees. And on call twenty four hours a day for two weeks. That if if it was two on two off, I could do that. But fuck that negative forty eight. Uh, you know, from just watching those uh, Alaska State Troopers, like it's the same thing. It's like they'll go in those little towns you can only fly into. Yep. Of Inuit towns, and you know they'll have like I forget what they call them, like the their their local officer. But he can only do so much. What are you going to do? Like, fucking, there's nowhere to go. Nothing to do. Uh, Alcohol is pretty much banned in those communities. And then every month, a state trooper will come in and, you know, do what they need to do. Haul somebody off, whatever. Uh, But they're they're covering, like, you have, like, two guys covering the state, the, the, the size state of, like, Pennsylvania. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. It, and, and, and that's exactly what that guy was telling me. He was, <laughs> he told me stories about, he was the one time he had, it was the snowstorm. He had to go out and arrest somebody. He had to handcuff him, put him on the back of a snow machine and drive him 10 miles on a snow machine just to get back to town. I mean, that is truly the last wild, yeah, wild west. So, and, and like when we were out there, the town we were working in, had been flooded because of ice dams on the river on the Yukon River. Um, the the families were living 150 miles from their home until their homes were fixed. Hmm. 
100 in Anchorage. So it was 150 miles from Anchorage to there. <clears throat> yeah, it was it was a different world. So the security footage came in and it began to shed a little light on on what happened. The video, it has no sound. Shows her happily working when someone comes up to the window and they're unseen. Uh, you can see on camera that she acknowledges the customer, takes his order, and begins to make the drink. Uh, then she goes to serve the drink to the dude. And then you can see her step back and put her arms up. And then she reaches over and turns the lights off. And then it gets really grainy. Yeah. Uh, after about a minute, she walks down to the register, scoops out the money, takes it to the window. A few minutes go by, someone leans in the window and appears to tie her hands from outside, leaning in. Uh, due to the lights being off, it's very hard to see. It's so grainy. Uh, after he ties her hands up, he leaps to the window and stands her up and marches her to the employee entrance, out the door, and into a white truck. And that's the last you see of her. Uh, the police were hitting a dead end. Samantha's father's father was like rallying support to search for Samantha. And it was very public. Like just about everybody in Anchorage and the surrounding areas had drawn it had it had drawn national news media. There. You know, and well let me just say this, because I talked to somebody else about when um you remember when oh, what was that really famous one that just happened in the mountains? Where the guy killed his 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 girlfriend. Allegedly. Allegedly. While we were out in Colorado, it was going on. Was it? Yeah. Still? Yeah. Um, I know what you're talking about. Oh, uh, God. They stopped. Uh, Brian Laundry and, yeah. um, oh, the girl. Oh. I can't remember her name, but that's why we do this show, because... I want to remember the victims' names. I don't want to remember the perpetrators yeah, much. I can't remember. We try to highlight the victims. Yeah. And there you go, just shitting all over that. Shitting country. all over it. <laughs> but uh, oh my God, what was that? uh, they were saying something about like you know, somebody was complaining. Why, why does it my daughter's or my son's case, you know, become headline news? And um, I was asking the question too, and I, I, I just like you know what? Why is that? And then the guy that was I was talking to says, "Well, because dude, this guy's father like went out of his way, and you know, like any father, I'm sure." Gabby. Yeah, that's right, Gabby. Gabby. Potato. 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 Um, but. There was a lot of people giving them shit, or giving the media shit, like, well, it's her story only covered and not mine. And the guy I was talking to says, you know, basically, well, you, you forget that this, it wasn't just the media. Her, his, her father, like, raised all this shit, did all this stuff, like, bugged the fuck out of the media, kept talking about it, and, and so it's not just the media being biased against different cases, there's a lot to... Well, you know, uh, it, it's if it's a slow news day, the media searches for something to highlight, and once one news agency does it, 
They all follow suit. There's 24-hour fucking news cycle. Yeah. And it... it but then you remember there was that whole thing with... They're like, well, why do only white girls get covered? I don't think that's true. And... I don't think so either. I mean, there's... there's I, I, I'd rather nobody got covered, disappeared, and killed. You right. know? You know, poor young women. That shouldn't happen to anyone. But anyways, I, I digress. No, that's fine. I mean, it, it's 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 valid. Yeah. It, it's extremely valid. But, like, just kind of, I guess, more saying what, what like, catches the news news media's attention. I, I think what they were trying to say was like it was just more of the father, like paying and and spending his time and and doing you know everything in his power he could to raise alarm and and get it out to everything, and that's why it became so popular. I, he he really pushed. <clears throat> There was so much support in Anchorage that it was hard to ignore in yeah. a medium. And uh, people began to donate thousands of dollars towards a reward for her rescue. Uh, on February 24th, uh, Dwayne and Samantha's father received a text message from Samantha's phone directing them to a sign at Connor Park. It is in uh, Anchorage. Uh, they shared the info with the police. They headed to the park, uh, getting there before the police. On the bulletin board at the park entrance, they found a bag with a ransom note on it, a black and white photo of Samantha with the Anchorage newspaper. Her expression was blank, and she was looking off to the side of the cavern. Like, it was a proof-of-life photo. Uh, it asked for $30,000 uh, into her his daughter's uh, account, uh, Samantha and Samantha will be released six months later. Like, you, I, I, give me thirty thousand dollars in the six months, I'll let your daughter go. Could you imagine that? How powerless? Oh, I do. You would feel and be at this point. I I don't know what I do because uh, it, you and I we're both fathers, both fathers, yeah. and we're both people that would probably string this guy up in your basement and torture him, but you can't get to him. No. No, and. I, dude, I, I, I can't even imagine. Yeah, it's like just total powerless, and this guy's just, you know, somebody hurts one of my kids. The safest place they can be is in jail. That's the safest place they can be. I don't know if they'd be safe there. I'm just saying that's the safest place they'll be. I don't think so. You, because you have access to them. But I'm just saying. <clears throat> so let's take a break here for a second. And we'll be right back. I just wanted to mention quick that we are on the Deluxe Edition Network, which is the Den Dot Show. Uh, it's just a, a place where there's a bunch of great podcasts. Many great podcasts. Yeah. Uh, actually, on my podcast list are three quarters of the podcast on the Den Network. I, I, I listen to them all the time. Um, so sh be sure to check out the Den Dot Show. While we're talking about the Deluxe Edition Network, let's talk about this month's Spotlight Podcast, which is Barrel Age Flicks. These guys and gals go in-depth on movies and a uh, little bit of booze. Uh, I love listening to them. I think you will, too. Check them out on the Deluxe Edition Network at the den.show. Look for the Spotlight Podcast. The link will be there. Check them out. And we're back. 
And uh, <gasps> while, while we were away, we were away for too long. I went and got us this. He flew to Germany. The Aventinus. One can. Weissen Doppelbach. So we could share one. So I just asked Mike the hardest question of his life. And I said, if you had one beer, you were stuck on an island and you can only have one beer for the rest of your life. You had an endless supply of it. What would it be? Man, dude, that that is a hard question. So we would like to know what your uh, uh, our viewers' answers would be. Comment below. Would you take like a, a hard hitter, like something heavy? Like you think you like you're gonna go swimming for your meal out in the ocean with a spear, and you just swam five miles and you come back, <laughs> and you, I want an earthquake from rotors. No, ten percent pint. So comment below what, if you wanted a deserted island, and they would airdrop you beer. I don't know why, why you're and, on this. And, no, and God forbid, if, you're, if you say Coors Light, you just hit that unsubscribe button right now. If you say Coors Light, don't even comment. So I, I, I couldn't tell you what mine would be, dude. I, I'm thinking <sighs> Miller Light. No. No, it can't be a light beer. I'm gonna need the calories. <laughs> I, I gotta keep up my figure. Um, I'm thinking something <sighs> lemony, like a pork rocker. Like a shady, shanty, a shanty. Uh, yeah. What is that? Line of Kugels? But I, yeah, Line of Kugels. If I had to drink it every day, it was the only thing I could drink. Heineken. <clears throat> no. I, I originally said maybe, you know, give me Labatt. Because I like Labatt. Okay. It's a pill. Um but I would I think I'd like something a little more flavorful than that. So maybe something on the craft side, but I could drink that pretzel beer all day long. Cool. You have it for the rest of your life? Yeah. Like God damn it, I'm so tired of pretzels. Uh, no, I like an Oktoberfest or a pretzel beer? You be trying to like switch it up like, oh, why can I substitute for mustard? Can, can I put shrimp in this? Yeah. <laughs> How about a shark fin? I want a shark fin beer. Oh, man, my chair is... I'll have to spray it again. Why can't... So we're going to enjoy our event in this. I love that. It smells so good. I love that. Yeah. I would take this. <sighs> Dude. This would be my island beer. As long as I don't have to pay for it. <laughs> I'd be so drunk I wouldn't even like no. I'm like, ah, I don't care anymore. No, I'm thinking I think I'm thinking like you said, a, a shanty. Although I'd probably be like seven hundred pounds. Well, you don't have enough food. You have to you have to work for your food. You know how lazy you are. You don't work for my fish food in this. <laughs> <laughs> that is, this is food. <laughs> it's everything. So, let's get back to Samantha. Uh, you know what? Could you live off a of beer? No. I, Wasn't uh, there like monks that, that, I was like, there was like, they, they fasted and they lived off a of beer? Off an Abiel. Huh. I don't think they lived off it. Uh, so 
back to Samantha. A portion of the money. But wasn't there? <clears throat> Sorry, go ahead. A portion of the money was deposited, and the police and the FBI watched the account. And within three three days, within days, three separate attempts were. They, they tried to withdraw money three times. Uh, in Anchorage. Uh, so the FBI and police each time converged on a site where the withdrawal was being attempted from, but they found nothing. They looked at the ATM cameras. They saw a hooded man with a ski mask and glasses each time. The withdrawal then, then withdrawal attempts were made in Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas on March 7th. And authorities again would rush to those ATMs, and they found nothing. Uh, but this time, the ATM caught a glimpse of a car that he got into, which is a white Ford Focus. Uh, on March 13th, the car was spotted spotted again in front of a hotel. When a driver came out and showed up to the car, a patrolman followed it, looking for a reason to pull him over. Uh, so eventually, he did pull him over for going two miles an hour over the speed limit. Uh, the police officer approached the car. His window was already down. The man was calm. When he was asked for his license, he presented an Alaska driver's license. His name was Israel Keys. He was 34 from Anchorage. The officer knew right away this is who they were looking for. Like, he called for backup. He searched his car, found a ski mask, a gun, and Samantha's phone. So, I'm going to go into Israel Keys before I touch on what happened. blew my mind. What? Your storytelling is... Otherworldly, brother. Otherworldly? You, you. Last time you started off with going like a hundred years before the thing happened, right? And that building up to your story. Now, this time you just tell the story flat out, boom, that's how it was. And now let me tell you the backstory of like the guys, this and that, what happened. I, I, wanted, I, I wanted to focus on Samantha. I don't want to focus on Israel Keith. I want to focus on Samantha. She's the victim. Well, no, I get that, but you know what I'm saying. You know what yeah, I'm saying. I get it. Yeah. So you switch it up. It's not always like me. I'm so dumb. I would tell the same storyline over and over. To, like even though I would take the same approach every time. What I'm trying to say. Yeah. Like I would never think to like. Okay, this time I'm going to tell you the gist. Of, here's the here's the story. I'm going to tell you all that one thing, and then we're going to break it down and get into it. <clears throat> Where this time I'm going to go 100 years back and not tell the story. It's something completely related that'll build up the story. Well, in this one, I wanted to tell what happened and and how it was perceived in its time. And then go back and give you this guy's this this fucked up guy's. Uh, you know what you need? You need a director's chair. <laughs> That's what like up. Aren't they up higher like than everybody else's chairs? They're, 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 they're just this height. <laughs> but uh, I, I have a I have a I, we call it the director's chair. But I got it at Walmart, and it's the most ungodly, uncomfortable chair ever. No, I don't need that then. And um, <laughs> but well, I mean, you're really sitting in it for like two and a half hours. But uh, yeah, I feel like, I feel like that's what we need for you, Mister Director, Mister Director. Anyways, go ahead with your story. So, Israel Keys was born in Richmond, Utah, on January seventh, nineteen seventy eight, <clears throat> uh, to Heidi and John. Jeffrey Why are Keys. all these fucking? Here's another thing they never throw out there. Remember, we always had those uh, things with serial killers that were in the Air Force. Oh, 
or what was it, the Navy? Which what, which branch of the service? It's they've been in the service. Period. Been in the service. Yeah. Uh, there's like a, like five Q. But here's another one I keep picking up on. Why are their moms? They have a name, and their nickname is Knee. I don't know. Like their their mom has a nickname. Like like, and it always seems to be like Knee. Like, well, that was her her. her it was Heidi, and she was called Knee. Uh, Hackinson was her last name. Her mm-hmm. her her maiden name. So she, he was the second of ten children born to a large family. And uh, the parents were Mormon expats from Torrance, California. So they were Mormons. They left the Mormon church, but he was born in Utah. So he and his siblings were homeschooled and taught in Mormon beliefs until 1983. Uh, they were pretty much isolated from society. Uh, Keys lived in a one one room cabin at uh, Rocky Creek Road, whatever the fuck that is, where they live without electric electric or running water. Can you imagine with ten siblings in a one room cabin? <laughs> no, it's got to be somebody getting pregnant tonight. So Name me. They lived in. Colville, and they attended services at a church called the Ark, which practiced white supremacy. No. Oh. Uh, and Christian identity ide- ideology. Keys later described Ark as an Amish style, Amish like church environment. So very strict. Wait a minute. Very restricted. Wait a minute. Stop. I am not going to sully. The good people of the Amish faith, and intermix them with white supremacy, under the fact that they both believe in strict ideologies. I'm just saying that's how he described it. I, I'm just gonna give my opinion on that. So during this time, uh, while they attended the Ark, the Keys family befriended the neighboring family of Chevy Kohi. Kehoe, Kehoe, uh, who was later convicted of a 1996 triple murder. So uh, we found, that's another thing, in a lot of the uh, stuff we've covered, these people have had close contact with someone else who was convicted or Richard Ramirez suspected of some very serious crimes. His cousin? Yep. Uh, from from uh, with the, the war pictures. Yeah. Um, and the, then killing his wife. Who was right the one in front of him? Who was the one? The torso killer in New York. Is that who it was? Or one of the, one of the ones we did from New York. He he was in close proximity to the son of Sam. No, something like we that. Never, we never did the son of Sam. No, we didn't do son of Sam. But someone we did had close proximity to that. Hmm. I don't remember. Anyway, uh, as a youth, Keys admitted to shooting the neighbors' houses with his BB gun, starting fires in the wood and breaking into houses for fun. Uh, he occasionally broke into houses with other youths and who's youths? Youths. Youths. Did you say youths? 
uh, and those those kids avoided him after he shot an animal. So you could break into a house, but don't shoot an animal. Hmm? It is good. Uh, on occasion, Key stole several guns from neighbors' re- residents, uh, and was forced to apologize by his parents. After they discovered his cachet of weapons. Well, God damn it, I hate when that happens. You steal a bunch of guns and you're forced to apologize. So, Keyes was like 6'2". He was a big dude. He was a big dude. At age 14, he was 6'2". So, he would sell these guns to local adults. These stolen guns. Uh, Keyes tied a cat to a tree with a parachute cord and gored it with a twenty two. He didn't even shoot it. He just... Fucking stabbed it with the gun. Yeah, it's uh, it's, uh, <clears throat> it's a little worrisome. Fucking sicko. Uh, in his teenage years, Keys had become skilled and a proficient carpenter, building his first wooden cabin at age sixteen. So th- there you well, got. I fuck- mean, he lived in a cabin, so you should be pretty good at building them. You got a fucking skill, and you still got to kill things. Uh, soon thereafter, they uh, relocated to Smyrna, Maine. Where they collected sap from maple syrup production in a mostly Amish community. What is with the Amish? Um, why are they trying to bring the Amish I down? Oh, dude. His parents were very religious. Like so, the Amish. So the kids, the, the, him and his, his brothers and sisters, would sneak away to watch movies because they were forbidden. Amish porn movies? Nope, just <laughs> movies. Uh, you're my brother. No, you're my sister. No, you're my Paul. <laughs> you're my auntie. And he's talking shit to the Amish. <laughs> yeah, edit that out, please. No, I won't. Uh, <laughs> he was forbidden to play an instrument because it was against God. Like, apparently God hates music. Really? Apparently. Uh, when he declared to his parents that he was an atheist, they evicted him from the house. And instructed the younger siblings to never have contact with Keys again because he wasn't. Jesus Christ, this family is fucked all beyond recognition. Uh, While he was born in Utah, the family moved to Washington State, then to Maine. Uh, Keys developed an interest in Satanism. Go figure. Huh. While he developed a plan to commit a ritualistic murder. Now, how the fuck does that happen? Where do you just say one day... I, you know what? I hate God. I want to. I want to worship Satan. Hey, you know what? Let me see what this devil thing is all about. Meet you at the crossroads with a K bar. <laughs> In the summer of nineteen ninety-seven or ninety-eight, Keys allegedly committed several sexual assaults on teenage girls who had been tubing with their friends down the Duchess River. Wait, this dude, oh, he's all over the place. In Oregon. Yeah, he, he moved to Oregon. Well, he lived in Washington State, so Oregon's like right there. Maybe he was on the border. <sighs> Although this was not his first sexual assault, Keyes admitted to stalking her from the tree line before very violently sexually assaulting the girl, who was estimated between 14 and 18 years of age at knife point. He originally planned to murder her in a sexual rich or a, a satanic ritual. Keys let her go to the river go in the river tube 
he had to, uh, he let her go back in the river from where he had dumped, dumped her from. So he raped her and set well, her free. I was going to kill her, but I did her a favor. I let her go. And this shit's like, I, I, I just, this make, this is what makes me want to not leave the house or not leave the house without a weapon every fucking where I go. Absolutely, bro. Because I would like to put a hole in this cocksucker's head. Uh, here we go. On July 9th, 1998, Keith promptly relocated and soon enlisted in the United States Army when he was stationed at Fort Lewis, Fort Hood, and spent some time over overseas in Egypt. Keith befriended several soldiers. During a disagreement, he informed one of them he would kill him. He would like to kill him. He passed a rigor, rigorous month-long preliminary course for the Army Rangers training. That's, that's creepy. Yeah, I know. I mean, how the fuck do you get pissed? Do they give you a psychology? I would assume they do. I, I would think, dude. Like, But he's probably riding that fine line of people that can hide it and a good manipulator. Uh, he was noted by some by, of being quiet and a habit of keeping to himself. He was also a heavy drinker on the weekends. He was a big fan of the ICP, Insane Clown Posse. Got that the Fago, bro. You know I met them, right? Yes. I wrestled with them. You wrestled? You, you. I wrestled with them. Wrestled their snake out of his pants. <laughs> Jesus Christ. In 2001, he was arrested for DUI. He pled guilty and paid a $350 fine. Ugh. He received the Army Achievement Medal for his meritorious service as a gunner and assistant gunner from December 98 to 2001, July. He, he received an honorable discharge. Keyes then restarted started a construction and handyman business in Alaska. Let me ask you this. If you're such a douchebag that you say you, you're this guy, you get an honorable discharge, and then you've done all these douchey things the rest of your life, can they posthumously or no. take that away from you? No, but I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something interesting. If you're an Eagle Scout and you ever get a felony, they'll strip your Eagle Scout from you. That's what they should do with the fucking military. You a fuck about what you've done. Take that shit away from you, cocksucker. Because that was one of the things Nathan was told when the only way you can lose this honor is if you dishonor this honor by becoming a felon or... or yeah. Um, I, I, I think... I, I like that because, number one, it, it's a hard honor to get. I'm so proud of my son from becoming an Eagle Scout. Like, it's amazing. And... If you're going to disrespect your entire life by being a shitbag, you should not have that honor in your life. Right, yeah. That is not, that's not what we stand by. Like, yeah, I'm an Eagle Scout. I'm a, can I get a needle? <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, I don't mean to like, make fun of like people like that, but like, come on. <laughs> so, Say. Back to this I'm crime. So now he's arrested. Okay, I just gave you his background. What brought him to be the piece of shit that he is? Um, 
when he was first questioned, he denied any knowledge of anything that happened. But when they gave him all, when, when they presented all this evidence uh, against him, he said, give me a, an Americano coffee, a peanut butter Snickers, and a cigar, and I'll tell you what you want to know. So they gave that shit to him. And after he got those things, he, he started telling his story. And, and the story he told was very detailed and very disturbing. Um, the, the video that I watched, uh, the guy's a great storyteller. He was a former special operative in the military. Well, Navy, I know you're Seal. About, yeah. um, he's a, that's, the, that's why you sent me that video. But yeah. we, we were planning on doing this before. Yeah. We never did. That's why I remember. He, he, he could tell a good story. Much better than me. Um, now he didn't give all the background of the guy. That's just me being OCD. But uh, this next part is not the story he told, but this is the details that he gave. <clears throat> um, that's Mr. Ballin on YouTube. And I think he's on TikTok. Uh, so the story he told was so graphic that the authorities still have not released a full transcript of what he said to the public. And like, I'd like to know the whole story. I would too, because if they're saying it was too graphic, like, what the fuck else happened? So on February 12th, he decided to rob the coffee shop. But while uh, Samantha was making the coffee, now he ordered an Americano, he decided he was also going to take Samantha. So after she handed him the coffee, he tied her up, jumped through the window, stuffed napkins in her mouth because she so she couldn't make a sound. While Keys was leading uh, Samantha to the car, she tried to make a run for it. But Keys quickly caught up with her, tackled her to the ground, pointed his gun at Samantha, and told her that it had very quiet ammo. And said that she shouldn't do anything that would make him kill her. He took her to his truck. And at this point, she cut his wiener off. That's what I would love to hear. Uh, I'd love to say she stabbed him in the she throat and he's dead. stabbed him in the fucking eyeballs. So he, he took her to the truck and told her, if you resist, I'm going to kill you. And at some point, Keys took her phone and her ATM card. And sent the, the text to Dwayne, saying that, look, I'm still pissed at you. You know, uh, I just need some time. They drove around Anchorage for several hours, stopping several times to allow Samantha to relieve herself. And he would get out and have a cigar. Now, I smoke cigars. And most of the cigars I smoke take me about 40 minutes to smoke them. It's not like a cigarette. It takes you five minutes. Yeah, yeah cigars take forever to smoke. Well, take me. I like. I don't smoke cigars, but a few times I've had them. Even if <laughs> like over an hour. Even if I get a nub, it's called a nub. It's like that big. It's like that round. That takes at least thirty minutes to smoke and enjoy. Now, unless he had some kind of fucking uh, backwoods or a shrew, some fucking cigarillo. Tijuana small. Yeah, Tijuana small. I, I don't know. Maybe that's what he had. 
Those aren't cigars. That's shit. That's like smoking whoa, cow whoa. shit. Hey. It's like smoking cow shit. I like Tijuana Smoke. I know you do. I did when I was like 18. Yeah, so did I when I was 18. <laughs> then, I, then I grew up. <laughs> so, Keith... <laughs> Keys then pulled up to his house, told her to get in the back seat. He covered her with a tarp and told her not to make a move or he'd kill her. Uh, she complied, and he got out of the car. He went into the house where his girlfriend and his 10-year-old daughter were sleeping. Keys and his daughter were supposed to leave the next day for a New Orleans vacation for about two weeks. They were going on a cruise. Uh, Keys went back out to the car, got Samantha out, blindfolded her, took her to the back back of the driveway into a shed where he sat her on a bucket, put a rope across her back and attached it to the wall. Like he tied her, basically hands behind her back, attached to the wall so she couldn't move. And it, it pinned her to the wall. Uh, he turned on the radio to mask any noise. He uh, he smoked a couple cigarettes. He turned on a space heater and told her she complied and he got the ransom. He would let her go. Now, he had not made the ransom request at this point. Uh, Keys went back into the house and sure, everybody was sleeping. He drank some wine. He came back out to the shed with some water. Asked her if she... She asked if he had talked to her father. He said, yes, he's going to raise the money. Everything would be okay. He removed the ropes, ropes untied her hand, and she was relieved. She relaxed. Like, this is finally almost over. Uh, but basically, he just wanted to see what she would do if he set her free. So he immediately grabbed her, <clears throat> tied her up even tighter. And uh, he told her, Keys told invest investigators when he tied her up again, he could see in her eyes that she knew what was going to happen. Keys went into the house one more time to make sure everybody was sleeping. When he returned to the, sh the shed, the shed smelled like sweat and urine. So she's panicking now. She pissed herself. She's, you know, her temperature's up because she's, she's, she's panicking. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, Keys then sexually assaulted Samantha. And as he got up, and he was putting his clothes back on, Samantha looks up at him and says, are you going to kill me? Or you're going to kill me now. Like, she knew what was happening. He told her yes. He put on leather gloves. And she tried to convince him, hey, you know, just let me go. You get the money, just let me go. I won't say anything to anybody. And, uh... Keyes actually said to the investigators that he was impressed with her composure. And then he stabbed her in the back and choked her until she stopped moving. Keyes said she never made a sound. Keyes locked the shed, went into the house, took a shower, woke his daughter up and started to get ready for their trip. He went back to the shed, rolled her up in a rug, and pushed it back to the back of the shed. He turned off the heater. Locked the shed, and at 5 a.m., him and his daughter left for their two-week vacation. What the fuck? This is a sick fuck, dude. Like, you do all that, and then you go on vacation with your daughter. Yeah. Um, 
so she, she's rolled up in his carpet in the back of his shed. When he comes back, he unrolls the carpet. Key says, because of the cold, it's cold as shit up there. She looked, she looked good. So he dressed her in fresh clothes, put some makeup on her. He sewed her eyes open and then took the, the, the picture that was sent for proof of life. And that's why she looked so dazed in the picture and she was staring off to the side. Like he was kind of like holding her there, like, ah, stop it. Now, there's a picture of this. I am not going to post this picture. If you want to see it, you can Google it. Have you seen it? Yes. That didn't I, I don't want to see it. Okay, good. I I, I saw I've seen it. enough fucked up shit in my life. Yeah, I, I've seen. <clears throat> I didn't need to see this picture. I saw it. I will not post it as part of this podcast. Um, we have more class than that. But if you want to, you go ahead and Google it and. You missed the bus, they missed the bus, we all missed the bus. Uh, after he took the pictures, he dismembered her body and uh, disposed of it in the nearby Matanuska Lake, north of Anchorage. Matanuska. Does that sound right? Yeah. Uh, it turns out she wasn't his first victim. Uh, he specifically preyed upon completely random people. In fact, he had kill kits stashed all over the United States. It was a cache of things he would have to have to commit these murders. He claimed to have several victims, but only confessed to Samantha's murder and a couple in Vermont. Now, these, ki these kill kits... <clears throat> Because I asked you this question last time, because I was confused. I was like, well, where is this guy traveling all over? He's like, oh, I'm going to be in Arizona. I got a kill kit stashed there. But that wasn't the case. Like, he would go to these places, select somebody he wanted to kill, then yeah. make a stash kit, hide it, in case the opportunity came about. <laughs> so, it wasn't like a, it was pre-planned, but not like well, the he way was I originally thought. He would stalk the people. So right. he, he knew shit about it. Which makes me think that this was not completely random. Like, he went yeah, he right. went there to buy coffee. It says he went there to buy coffee and rob the place and decided to kill her. I think he must have been there a couple times and knew. Yeah, I agree. Um, so... The only ones he confessed to was a couple in Vermont and her uh, before he took his own life in jail. On December 2nd, 2012, he cut his wrist and hung himself. The evidence left by behind in his cell was including a suicide note, a drawing of 11 skulls, a drawing of Befomet. Sure. I don't know. Uh, an inscription of Corazol? Corazol on the cell's wall, all written. I'm assuming I, I've heard. In Key's I've blood. Certainly seen that name before. Baphomet. Uh, I guess 
some kind of Satan. It's got to be Satanistic shit. <clears throat> uh, led the FBI to suspect keys of murdering 11 victims in total. He admitted to violent crimes as early as 1996, uh, aggravated sexual assault of a teenage girl in Oregon, uh, in several uh, crimes across multiple states that lasted until 2012. Keys targeted random people across the United States to avoid detection within months of planning before committing a particular crime. So he planned the crimes, and that's why he he, he, he put yeah. those, those murder kits there. Yeah. So he might have been in Vermont, saw this this couple, planted a murder kit, went on his his, his life, and then returned to Vermont and off them. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, he specifically went for campgrounds and isolated locations. Makes sense. He claimed to only use guns he had when he had to and preferred strangulation which is due to the pleasure he derived from the witnesses losing consciousness consciousness in the struggle, which we've heard from other serial killers. Mm -hmm. He claimed not to kill children or parents of children, primarily because of his daughter. <clears throat> oh, now he has a conscience. Yeah. Who feared he might find out about him and his crimes. You fucking turd. Hope you're rotten in hell. Cocksucker. However, the police and FBI investigators are skeptical of this claim, suspecting of keys of several uh, of killings of several teens or children. He believed to have committed his first murder at murders in as a teenager from ninety six to ninety eight around Colville, Washington. Two girls were killed in two separate incidents, along with one girl girl's mother. He did not submit to any murders in the three years in his, uh, well, he was in the United States Army, but he did admit twice attempting rapes of women, once when stationed in Egypt and the other while stationed, another while on leave in Israel. <clears throat> he believed he resumed his killing spree in 2001 following his discharge. So I didn't kill nobody when I was in the Army, but I raped these girls. Ah, rape them. No. Come a piece of shit. Uh, Keyes admitted to investigators that he killed four people in Washington State, claims that he was a suspect in active investigations by the state police and the FBI. He did not have a felony criminal record in Washington, although he had been stopped on two occasions for driving-related offenses. Authorities were reviewing unsolved murders and missing persons cases to determine which if any, may be linked to Keyes. Hmm. Keyes is a suspect in a series of 2007 crimes by the Boca Killer near Boca Raton. Oh, shit. In three cases, a mother and a child were kidnapped from a shopping mall. In two cases, the mother and child were shot and killed and their bodies abandoned in their vehicle. In the third case, the mother and child were released unharmed after several hours. Uh, Though the kidnapper wore a mask and sunglasses, the surviving victim caught glimpses of his face and described him as a tall, athletically built, long hair, generally matches Keyes' description. Keyes confessed to at least one murder in New York State in late 2012. Authorities did. 
Now, see, this is where, like, my research found that he only confessed to those two murders. Yeah. A couple of Vermont and Samantha's. And another another site says he confessed to this 2012 crime. Uh, they had not been able to determine the identity. Oh, you know what it was? It was he confessed to two murders that the victims were identified in. This one he confessed to, but he didn't know who she was. And they regarded the, they did not regard the confession as credible. He's a tied to, ties to New York. He owned ten acres, uh, and a, and such as dumb hillbilly owning land like all the way on the other side of the fucking United States. I don't know, dude. I guess being a contractor is good money. Uh, Keys at Ties in New York, uh, the dilapidated county uh, cabin in the town of Constable. He also confessed to committing a bank robbery in New York and Texas. FBI later confirmed that Keys robbed the community bank branch in Tupper Lake, New York, in 2009. He also told authorities he burglarized a home in Texas and set it on fire. So this guy's like an all-around shitbag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's the, not fair to all-around shitbags. Yeah, I know. The Vermont murders were Bill and Lorraine Courier in Essex, Vermont. He broke into the home on June 8, 2011, tied him up before driving to a abandoned farmhouse where he shot Bill and sexually assaulted and strangled Lorraine. Jesus Christ. Now, this is all shit I didn't know. Their bodies have never been found. Two years prior, uh, he had hit a murder kit close to their home. After the murders, he moved most of the context of the new hiding place to a new hiding place in Parisville, New York, where they remain remained to. So he he moved his murder kit to New York, and it was there after his arrest. Now his murder kit was basically what, like a bucket with like a gun. Tape. I don't know what you put in a fucking murder kit. Probably murder gun, people. tape, knife, rope. Uh, okay. Samantha was 18 years old. Well, you did do the research. <laughs> We're pretty close. Last confirmed victim was 18-year-old Samantha. Uh, Keys was suspected of in the murder of Jimmy Tidwell. An electrician who disappeared from Longview, Texas. This dude was fucking everywhere. Yeah, it's it's what don't make sense. How the fuck is he traveling so freely? I don't know. And what, what did he do for a living? He was a co- contractor. What contractor travels all around the world? I don't know, dude. Or the United States, I should say. He robbed a bank in Azell, Texas, on February sixteenth, two thousand twelve. Uh. I, it looks like he wore Tidwell's, the, the guy he killed, the electrician he killed, looked like he wore his his hard hat when he robbed the bank. Uh, burglarized 20 to 30 homes across the United States, robbed several banks between 2001-2012. He's linked to as many as 11 deaths in the United States, potentially even more victims outside the country, because even though he said he wasn't killing anybody while he was in the military... They don't buy it. Oh, bullshit. Yeah. 
I don't mind either. Although our other serial killers that have been in the military went dormant on their killings during the time they were in the military. He's just so disciplined and regimentary. That could be. He's planned murders long ahead. Join the military so you don't become a serial killer. (laughs) (laughs) He planned murders long ahead of time and took extraordinary action to avoid detection. While this seems to be true in most cases, I question that in the case of Samantha. Uh, Because it kind of seems like it was a spur of the moment thing, but that doesn't Mm, seem like him. Yeah. Come on. Like the the, the 18-year-old? Sure, she was probably good-looking, too. Unlike well, here's the thing. Unlike most Syracos, he didn't have a victim profile. He didn't have uh, an MO, except for strangulating and dismembering and, and sexual assault. But he didn't have an MO in type of victim. Uh, he had no known connections to his victims. For the Courier murders, uh, Keys flew to Chicago, where he rented a car, drove a thousand miles to Vermont. Then he used his kill kit that he had hit two years earlier to perform the murders. So, like, this this dude is just a fucking sicko. So, that's pretty much the story of Samantha. Um, I I heard this on... I saw this a while ago, yeah. I heard this in passing on one podcast, so I searched. And that's how I found Mr. Bowen. And he he did like an in depth story on this, and uh, I decided I was going to research this and, and and look into it because it interests me. Yeah. Um. A tragic story, but tragic story for the, the 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 father who had already lost his wife. This piece of shit. Yep. Kills himself in fucking jail. Not fair. So um, that's the story of. Samantha Koenig. Koenig? Koenig? Koenig. Uh, I, I don't know. That's... We'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. So we took on that. You go take on the world. Is it what'll... That word. Our podcasts exist because of listeners like you. To find other great shows, head over to the den.show. Thanks for listening. Hold on to that. Welcome back to the shit show 2.0. Okay, boomer. Damn millennials. Wow. <laughs> Did not know that. Even flirters who who are obviously mentally ill. You want to be my wife? Oh, this is gonna go downhill real quick.